Hey everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right, so my guest this week is Dylan Flinders, who has some very lofty goals for himself, both on the downhill World Cup circuit and on the Freeride World Tour on the ski side of things. And he's well on his way to taking those off because not only has he been having some good results on the bike of late, but he's got his ticket punched to be on the Freeride World Tour this coming season. And so Dylan and I sat down to talk about how he plans to achieve all of those goals and compete on both circuits simultaneously, what he thinks it takes to do well on the bike side of things and how his mental approach has changed over the years, and a whole bunch of stuff about mentorship and developing a new generation of American downhill racers, where we've frankly kind of been lagging behind a lot of the rest of the world, particularly the French right now on that front. And there's a ton of good stuff in here just about the life of a pro athlete and how Dylan thinks he can really pull off being both a pro skier and a pro mountain biker at the same time. But before we get into it, I want to draw your attention to some exciting new stuff we have going on at Blister, because first off, we have just launched a new podcast, Crafted, where we're going to be going very, very deep on cool stories from people who make things and take real pride in doing them well. It's going to be all over the map in terms of exact content with stuff like beer, coffee, whiskey, wine, watches, knives, and a whole lot more. And we think it's going to bring some really interesting conversations just about a whole bunch of the beautifully crafted stuff that's out there in the world. And we think you'll enjoy it. So we've got a link in the show notes. Check that out. It's going to be really cool. And because we're apparently not busy enough around here or just real gluttons for punishment or I don't even know what, but we've also just launched Open Mic, which is going to be a series that we're running weekly with articles from athletes and other folks around the ski and bike and outdoor world just sharing their thoughts on whatever topic is front of mind for them at a given moment. And it's going to be a very interesting space for a lot of very interesting people to just sound off on whatever they want to open book, let them go wild. It's going to be some very cool stuff here, including the one and only Angel Collinson kicking things off in the first post. So stay tuned for that real soon. Link in the show notes for that as well. And with that, let's get right to my conversation with Dylan Flinders. Well, Dylan, thanks for coming on. Great to chat with you. How are you today and where are you today? I'm doing good, boss. I'm uh, just up at my house in Salt Lake. And uh, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's just about to start raining. So the dirt's going to be really good this afternoon. So that's super good. It's exciting. Excellent. Good stuff all around. So I guess just for folks who might not be familiar, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background in mountain biking and where you got your start with all that yeah of course um so i'm dylan flinders i grew up in utah born and raised i uh, grew up originally on a ranch um, about an hour south of salt lake got into skiing to start when i was super young um started ski racing when i was six and uh, the head coach of that team 
is now uh, my best friend. His name's Tyson. He's awesome. And he got me into riding bikes when I was like 12 or so. Um, as something to do um, in the summertime while we weren't skiing. I was super competitive in soccer and wrestling and all the other sports as well. But uh, mountain biking was like, it was just, it was the closest thing I could get to skiing, you know, in the summertime. So I was so stoked. Um, and then I started, started racing when I was 13 and uh, fell in love with it. Continued to um, push both sports and just kind of like see what mountain biking was going to be for me. You know, at first I really wasn't expecting much um, at all. I was just trying to have a lot of fun on my bike and I thought it was fun, like going to races and stuff as well. And then uh, I went to my first nationals when I was 14 and that like just stuck me out like crazy. It was ridiculous. So I was like super fired up. Um, I actually crashed at that race and uh, was like, okay, by next year, nationals is like, like I want to do really well there. Um, and so, yeah, I had a good ski season and then went straight into, I actually, I was on a really crappy bike <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't very sweet. It was this old giant glory, like this massive hunk of metal. Um, and this bike shop near, near where I was living, the, the owner at the time, he actually built up like this really beautiful demo eight S works, like all custom and super sick. And he was going to sell it <clears throat> for a pretty hefty price. Um, but I told him that like, if there was any way he could wait like three months, like I would buy it no matter what. So I actually started like a little ski tuning business in the winter time. So I would tune pretty much everyone on the team skis, their parents, all that stuff, all so I could just buy this new bike. Like that's, that's all I wanted. And uh, I ended up making like 4,500 bucks throughout the winter. And that's what he sold it to me for. So it was amazing. That kind of set like the trajectory of the year for me. And I was super stoked. And then uh, it was in Mammoth actually at nationals and I, winning the downhill race and it was just like it was ridiculous so from that point on I kind of like realized that uh I was definitely going to be a mountain biker too and I loved it and uh I wanted to chase both skiing and mountain biking kind of full speed so yeah I mean it's a kind of a common story we hear for a lot of folks who are into both skiing and mountain biking just sort of as complimentary things that are in some ways, the closest approximation of each other for the opposite seasons. But one of the things that I think is kind of coolest about your story at this point is just that you are really continuing to pursue both in parallel. And a lot of folks kind of feel like at some point they have to make a call and commit one way or the other. And so I'm just sort of curious to hear some more about kind of where you're at on that split and how you sort of feel about kind of the status of trying to do both pretty seriously and how that's all going, juggling the two different things. I would say like, it's, it's definitely twice as much work, um, <laughs> but it's twice as much playing. So it's, it's the best. It's, uh, it's a bit tricky. You know, I'd say like, once I started going to like world cup qualifiers and Craig work events and, uh, 
you know, these bigger events, it definitely like it'll overlap a little more than you'd expect. For example, like there's a big downhill race, um, this world cup qualifier in Tennessee every year. And it's in like March, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like mid ski season for me there. Um, and so I kind of have to like pick and choose, you know, um, and try not to get super wrapped up in like a, a lot of it's a mental game. You know what I mean? Because you're competing against like these bikers, you know, that ride year round. They'll go anywhere to, to train, to ride, um, while it's snowing. And for me, like I value, I value skiing as like some of the best cross training I could do for mountain biking. You know what I mean? It's like, they are so compatible and it's, it's kind of funny cause they're not similar looking at all, you know, but it's just, it feels the same. So I would say like, it's, it's so doable and you just can't get wrapped up in uh competition. You know what I mean? Like, of course, competing is competing, but I think the second I moved, like transitioned my mindset from competing against everyone on the field, like everyone out there to competing against myself, so much pressure was relieved and I was able to just do my thing. And I was finding success in both skiing and biking at the same time. You know what I mean? And it was just because I was having so much fun that things just started working. You know what I mean? There's definitely a lot to be said for finding a balance there and not being so sort of tunnel vision focused on one particular thing that you just get burned out and kind of being in a better headspace to to just do your thing goes a long way. And so kind of along those lines, like you said, I mean, the, the two calendars don't entirely kind of line up neatly there's definitely some overlap and stuff so what does your schedule for a given year look like and how are you kind of picking and choosing where you want to split between bike and ski season i guess and how are you handling all that kind of stuff so i would say like um when i was younger for all like the the groms out here listening um i uh i wouldn't really i would i would ski and then you know i'd be like okay I'm not going to stop my ski season to go to one bike race. Like it's all good. So I would just kind of traditionally like, ha I mean, I'd have my traditional seasons for skiing and biking, you know, and kind of wouldn't, wouldn't have them overlap too much. And then when I got older and more competitive, um, I'd started to, to go to that race in the winter time in Windrock. Um, so pretty much my, my year in full wrap looks like, uh, We'll start in the winter. I start skiing. Well, actually, we'll start in like the fall. So it's kind of like rampage season, like free ride, mountain bike season, you know. So we try to uh, to go down south for, I'll be down there for like probably three or four like longer weekends, you know, around rampage time. Um, ride with a bunch of those dudes down there and just free ride. It's the funnest thing ever. Like that's the biking that's probably the closest thing to my skiing. So it gets me super stoked. Like it's the best. And then I'll try to, uh, when I was younger, I used to go to Copper for a little bit in November and stuff and ski. But now we're kind of, Snowbird opens pretty dang early. And uh, 
yeah i would say like it depends on the snow each year like if it's if i'm if uh, it's worth it to drive to anywhere to go skiing say october or early early november i usually start skiing like second week of november or you know sometimes second week of october but lately it's been like mid-november um and then we'll ski we'll have fun for a couple weeks actually like a good month you know it's kind of like just uh letting everything fill in skiing a bunch try to shoot a little bit film a little bit um and then usually we have i compete like was competing in the uh free ride world tour qualifier series and so our first event is usually like mid-January. Um, and then I would start start competing. And when I was younger, I, it was it was a little more competitive, you know? Like, I'm just a competitive person. But I, yeah, for some reason, it never, it never helped me to ever compete against other people. You know what I mean? And I always tried not to. But, like, when you're racing, like, you just get into that competitive mentality so easily. And, uh, it was a little tricky, you know, cause like, I would just like, I get so amped or excited or nervous for these events. And like, it would be, it'd be hard to, uh, to say like, to stomp every run, you know what I mean? But, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun. So I would have like four or five ski events throughout the winter, um, and then, yeah, if I had if I had time, like about two weeks in March, I would go down to to Windrock, Tennessee, and we would stay down there and uh, ride bikes for like a good five or six days, and then do the race down there. And it's a super sick race because like all of the um, we'll have years where Rock Shocks or Fox is out there doing um, suspension testing for all their all their athletes um worldwide so we'd have like you know Anne Marie out here Greg Menard Luke Bruni you know all the big dogs out here for that race and so it was super sick to like it was such a crazy experience for me too because like you know I was skiing like most of the time like getting face shots and then two days later in the other side of the country like riding bikes you know what I mean just feeling like super like awkward and like just getting into things slowly you know what I mean so it was it's always such a fun like crazy feeling um and then yeah the race actually it's gone pretty well for me and uh, I've also crashed in it a couple times just because it it rains like crazy down there because it's their winter you know so it's yeah it's pretty dang gnarly but um it's amazing and then I'll come back and ski for another good like two two and a half months or so um but after windrock i'm i'm pretty fired up on riding bikes too so it's like all right i'm going skiing and then if anywhere is dry like i'm gonna try to ride bikes as well and uh try to try to get into that that preseason training like pretty pretty heavily but it is tricky you know because you also you have a ski season that you don't want to uh, to fully like forget about or leave, and so it's just that it's it's finding that perfect balance, you know, of still really enjoying your ski season and also like really getting into riding bikes. Yeah, it's a tough line to walk. I guess I'm curious to hear a little more about just 
you sort of talked a little bit about kind of the mental shift of not looking at your competition as being against everybody else, but sort of more against yourself and just, I guess, trying to do, you know, better than last time or whatever it is. But tell us some more kind of about how you thought about that shift and what made you kind of realize that that was what worked best for you and talk about that approach, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll go back a little bit to like my, my ski racing career when I was younger. Um, I, I liked to go fast and I was pretty involved in free riding as well, but I just wanted to, you know, if racing for me was like less strategy than most other people and more like just speed. And it was kind of like hectic for me. <laughs> like it was fun. I used to do pretty well, but it was like, it was gnarly mentally for me. And so I would get like puzzled quite a bit <clears throat> and just kind of, you know, it's hard because everyone is so competitive in that sport and, you know, it's, you can feel it like around the air and it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Everyone's looking at each other. Everyone's like, it's just not the greatest atmosphere when it comes to uh, like staying super stoked. You know what I mean? Cause everyone's so serious and you're just like, okay, should I be serious too? Like, like, do I like, what do I do? You know what I mean? So it actually caused me to crash quite a bit cause I'd be so frazzled at the start like not knowing how to approach this race run well. And, uh, and then it would kind of bleed into like my, when I started competing in bikes as well, you know what I mean? Like I, I wanted to go super, super quick and I was still learning how to, how to be a really good racer. You know what I mean? How to, how to not crash often learning what crashes like did to you. And so I, so my, best friend Tyson he's been my coach since I was six years old um for both skiing and and now biking and uh he's probably the greatest dude in the world um he's <laughs> he's so sweet he and I started at the outlaw bike team together and uh it's a junior downhill race team and free ride team so we're super super stoked it's kind of been crazy it started out with just kids that were on the ski team kind of being like, yo, I want to do what Dylan's doing in the summertime as well. And then these kids started coming to races with us and uh, they were like, well, we should start a team. And Tyson was like, all right, like, let's do it. And so now, now the team is insane. It's exploded. We have like 75 kids nationwide. These kids are dominating like all the national podiums and Tons of them are sponsored. They're crazy, like crazy kids. For example, one of them, when he was 10 years old, was hitting crab apples, like the massive whip-off jumps in Whistler. And the first time he ever hit it, he did the, probably the biggest suicide hand, no hand drive I've ever seen. And he was just, he like came up to us, he looked over and we were like freaking out. <clears throat> and he was like, I just, I don't even know what to do. I just had so much time in the air. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's ridiculous. So anyway, back to the story, like I was always the bigger brother to all these, all these kids and, uh, in skiing and in biking. And I, you know, if I had a really bad attitude or, or anything like that, you know, it really, it bleed into our whole little race family and team. And, 
and stuff like that. And so I tried to, I tried to never really do that. You know, you're never perfect, but I'd say being that bigger brother, like really made me think about how to approach these situations because, you know, you have, you have a lot of eyes on you all the time and these kids really looking up to you. So I, uh, yeah, just figured it out with Tyson. That was like, I, I actually listened to the, I read the book rise of Superman, the study of flow. And, uh, it made me realize that like, we're always trying to train a skill instead of training a state of mind. And so that really struck home for me super hard because I was like, I need to be training my, my state of mind, my, my mindset, my approach just as, or honestly more than skills right now because trying to balance both it's like I have to be mentally super strong I can't let like oh I've been off the bike for four months I'm supposed to get top five here like get to me you know what I mean so I really made that change when I was um probably 18 or so and tried to start like working through it you know it was it's a big work in progress it always takes time to make those uh <clears throat> those big shifts you know you grow up always thinking one way and then you're trying to really change that direction so I'd say like I started finding quite a bit of success like throughout you know like 18 to 20 like there would be little stints and then uh I snapped my leg actually in half so I was going to I was 18 years old had just barely like really started like crushing it being super consistent um in both sports and like I was I was super fired up is my last year um as a as a junior for for ski events and um it was my last year competing in like junior x for mountain biking so it started off really really successful and then in the spring I, uh, I qualified for North American champs for big mountain skiing. And then there was a world cup qualifier in Port Angeles for mountain biking. And I was like, yo, this is going to be sweet. Like first solo trip, um, Tyson, he runs the ski team as well. And so <clears throat> he couldn't make it out to that event with me, which is super rare. Um, but it was all good. I was, so I've been on common USA for, the last six years um i got onto their junior world cup development program well no just junior world cup team and uh it was super sweet and so i was gonna go and stay out there with them packed up all my ski stuff all my bike stuff drove out to uh port angeles which is like two hours south of seattle super sick event it was amazing um and then the run right before my qualifying lap, I was trying to get a full, full blown run on to see, you know, kind of what my time's at, what my energy level's at, all that stuff. And I came, there was this corner that kind of like spit you down into this uh, like straight section that was super fast. And it had been pouring rain for like two days straight. So it was just crazy slick everywhere. And uh, there's a videographer in the middle of the tape. So, 
if you guys know like what downhill races look like, there's always tape on the sides of the track. No one's allowed in the tape. Anyway, he was in the middle of the tape and I yelled super loud, like rider, rider. And he didn't, um, he didn't move until he was about a couple feet away from me and then dodged me super quick. And then a couple feet after that, I slid out and snapped my leg full compound fracture tibia super gnarly <laughs> and then he left me to pretty much get hit by my bike which sucked and then he was okay so we slowed the race down fast forward a bit had to go to two different hospitals um they put a full titanium rod in my shin screwed me together didn't know this until i woke up <laughs> which was wild and uh yeah so the first doctors up there were um not very cool. They didn't really believe that like I would be able to ski or mountain bike at the same level again. They just straight up told me that and that I would probably not like run <laughs> as well. And so uh, I didn't really believe them, but like it always does get to you, you know, when you're having a doctor like staring into your eyes being like, this is your this is your future. <laughs> but uh, luckily, I didn't let it get to me too bad. Um, made it back to Utah and the orthopedic surgeon I I've seen uh, quite frequently. He's a good buddy of mine. He was like, dude, you can have a full recovery in like a year. And uh, I was like, okay, I can do that. Like I can do it. Um, and he's like, you're pretty much like you're, you're screwed together. So you can't, you can't really damage yourself too bad. You know, like you're going to like pain is, is going to kind of help you. So I just, I hate being injured so much. You know, all of us athletes do. It's the worst part um, about this career. But I took that as uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove them different. I'm gonna, I mean, prove them wrong. I'm gonna train my freaking my butt off and see what happens. And so I would, uh, in the morning, I'd wake up, I'd visualize like my heart pumping blood into my leg for like a couple hours, which was super hard at first, but um, actually turned into like this really powerful meditation that was super cool. Um, and then I would get on my stationary bike and pedal with one leg, my healthy leg, just to try to get blood flow. And then I would slowly be able to start bending my other leg. And uh, anyway, fast forward four and a half months. Well, in between that recovery, in between that four months, Two months in from surgery, I uh, sent it to Europe. I was supposed to go and race the Junior World Cups there. Um, we already we still had our tickets and everything, and so I was like, "Dude, I'm just gonna go and hobble around and be out there." You know what I mean? And I actually ended up not bringing my crutches and just limping everywhere, and that was brutal. <laughs> but uh, it worked. And four and a half months later, I raced the U.S. Open. And got 13th, which I was super stoked about because uh, all the all the boys who rode for Fox were out there. So, like, once again, Greg Menard, Luke Bruni, Finn Isles. Um, yeah, all the big dogs were out there, and I was super, super happy. So I would say that was – that incident changed so much for me mentally. Like, that was where I committed to to myself to competing against myself, to loving every moment. 
so hard and just realizing that I almost died. So that was pretty wild. Um, but yeah, realizing that uh, life is about experience and fun and working your ass off. So that was, that was what did it for me. From that point on, I just started uh, racing and competing against myself and really finding what worked for me. And uh, it's been amazing after that. I'd say like all the stress, all the pressure that everyone feels up top. Like, I feel like it doesn't really get to me as much, which has been super sweet. And it's made me perform a lot better because I know that, you know, if I, if I reach my peak performance, I'm going to be in a great spot, a spot that I'm going to be really proud of, you know, top five, maybe at like a world cup, you know, top 40, I have yet to race one. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, these, these pro GRTs, like if I have a great run, these world cup qualifiers, like I know I'm going to be in the top five, which is great. So, yeah, I would say that like, that's, that's been the biggest, the biggest thing that's helped me so far is shifting that mindset from looking around to looking, looking at yourself. It's always cool to hear kind of how different people figure out what works for them as far as mental approach goes and piece it together. And it's cool that you've kind of hit upon this formula that works for you. I do want to sort of circle back to one thing that you said a little while ago, kind of touched on the notion just that the sort of environment and uh, overall kind of just like the um, I guess atmosphere of ski racing and mountain bike racing being pretty different. And you were talking about just the intensity and pressure of the ski race world in particular, be curious to have you go a little deeper on that and just sort of talk about how different those two different worlds feel and that kind of stuff. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I would say the ski race, the ski racing atmosphere is, I, I would love to be a little more hopeful and positive. It's super hard to like not be, <laughs> but it's a, it's a really, really competitive sport that's built on pressure and the pressure isn't what you'd expect, right? It's not like the, the actual race itself. It's like pressure from coaches, pressure from parents, pressure from, from all of those exponents, right? And so all these all these kids are feeling the same thing, but um, on their own, you know what I mean? And so it creates this ultra, ultra competitive atmosphere. Um, and you gotta have to choose like which side you're gonna be on, like that super reserved, quiet, like totally into my own zone, like thing, or like for me, I was always trying to, you know, we have a speaker up top, we're trying to like, get into the zone, stretch out, get warmed up, but also like have fun. You know what I mean? Um, and so it was just, it was pretty intense. You know, you get to the bottom and you're like stoked on your run. You know what I mean? And then you look over and you're like, ah, oh, like, okay, that's like 10th right now. And there's like 30 more people up there. You know what I mean? So you kind of just get in your head a little bit. Or you'll come down and you'll be like super stoked on your run and your friend that like beat you is like 
oh dude i messed up so bad <laughs> you know what i mean you're just like okay cool like it's it's just this weird <laughs> it's this weird atmosphere and uh it, it's i mean i hope it's getting a little better i don't know if it is but it's yeah like i said just this ultra ultra saturated competitive field so mountain biking is <laughs> like the best i uh first first race i went to kind of blew my mind everyone everyone was really supportive of one another everyone was trying to help one another which was really cool you know like first day at practice um it was just a utah series race and um you know i came down and like i think i wadded super hard actually and uh this kid joey joey foresta really sweet super super talented kid on the bike um he was kind of like the grom prodigy um he's been on gt the factory team for dude since he was like 10 or something you know mountain biking has been his, his thing and uh he came over to me and like asked if I was okay, grabbed my bike for me and was like, yo, you should try, you should try this line. You know what I mean? And that kind of just like blew my mind for a second, you know, cause it races, like if you have good, like at ski races, if you have a good, good line or whatever, like that person's not going to tell anyone else, you know what I mean? Or like these, these like older or more successful skiers aren't going to like try to help out super much like a lot because they're they're so competitive you know what i mean against everyone which is super weird um so that was like the greatest shift to like that was probably one of the biggest reasons that made me fall in love with mountain biking was that the atmosphere was so so communal so sweet yeah i would say it's always like that you know even even at the biggest races i've ever been to racing the canadian open um going to a world cup being on like talking to my teammates that are racing it talking to all the other athletes um everyone from from someone who's trying to make a name in the sport to people with the biggest names in the sport they are all here to help one another and have a really fun time and they realize how freaking gnarly what we do is everyone's in the same boat so it's like of course you're gonna like they're gonna they give you they give you amazing knowledge and things to help you succeed because it's so freaking so freaking fun and gnarly that they're like yeah we're all in it together like it's kind of not if but when so try to do this and you might save yourself there you know what i mean so i love it you know i'm, I'm a really a uh, big community based guy and uh the mountain bike world really, really felt like it kind of took me in and it's, it's been amazing. It, yeah. So. I like that a lot. And it's one of the things that I think does feel really cool about mountain biking. Just, yeah, especially the race scene, just how supportive and I mean, it's competitive and getting in some ways more so as things just get more professional and more developed, but at the same time, there's still just a real camaraderie between the racers and in a way that you don't really see in a lot of other sports, which is pretty cool. Do you have any general thoughts kind of on how or why biking and skiing kind of have ended up in very different places on that front? I think the most simple way to put it is uh, 
a lot of skiers have and bikers you know but a lot of skiers have ego and quite a bit of it and so it's ego creates entitlement sometimes and uh it kind of feels like some ski areas or bigger ski groups things like that you know they have this like chip on their shoulder and it's it's really not serving anyone you know these little arguments or these these like heavier attitudes that are just so unnecessary kind of be thrown around easily and expected you know it's like i'll have so many people be like oh like i'm, I'm always you know these bike friends i'm like dude I'd, I'd love to take you skate like let's go ski and it'll be a super fun time They're like oh dude i can't ski with you like i can't ski with you and then i'll have a lot of skiers do that too and it's like who do you guys think i am like i ski almost every day like of course I want to ski with you, you know, but a lot of really talented skiers don't ski with other people that aren't near the same level or above them because they don't want to be, it's this, it's this weird like game, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, <laughs> there's no reason to have that. There's no, there's no reason to play that game. I don't understand why a lot of, why a lot of people do it. Um, So yeah, I'd say like, less people in mountain biking have a chip on their shoulder but i would say it's discipline based right like downhill downhill is a bit more loose and gnarly and just crazy you know so we we get these like our community is different than the xc community you know what i mean enduro they're kind of a mixed breed of like <laughs> the super fun crazy downhillers and then like the um the pretty serious um, XCers, you know what I mean? There are really cool XC riders, but a lot of them are similar to like the skiers with a chip on their shoulder. You know, they're the people chewing out an 80 year old that's on an e-bike because he's on an e-bike. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, look, can we talk about how cool it is to see an 80 year old on a mountain bike trail really quick? Like that. Yeah. It's it's those attitudes, you know, that I just wish we could kind of bury, put in the grave and uh, move on. But uh, I would say like, yeah, it's just it's kind of like my one of my biggest missions, you know, is to not only show people that they're way more capable than they think they are. They can do more than one thing at the highest level and find success and success can mean anything for someone. You know what I mean? But it's just yeah if we kind of took out like it goes back to competing against yourself and competing against everyone else you know what i mean so many people in both skiing and biking are always looking around and trying to one-up the next person right and if they did that with an awesome attitude it'd be sweet but it's kind of it's kind of sharky you know what i mean so it'd be cool if more people just competed against themselves i think the sport would the sport would grow and the camaraderie would grow as well yeah, that's a pretty good segue into another thing I want to talk about, which is just the U.S. downhill race scene more generally and kind of state of the union on that, I guess, because of late, by and large, the World Cup circuit's been dominated by largely Europeans, French in particular. Wondering just sort of from your perspective, what is the state of U.S. downhill? And if you were in charge and could just 
start making changes, what would you like to see happen to kind of get the U.S. doing more downhill and doing better on the world stage there? Yeah, so this is one of the – this is a great question. Um, and here's the solution. <laughs> so go. with the bike team, with Outlaw, um, we have we have a mission in mind. You know, Tyson and I, our mission is to have like, because when I was racing, when I was younger, it was just me, you know, me and Tyson and this other racer and their dad. And like, you'd see these other kids that didn't have any, any coaching or knowledge, like just come down from these races beaten and battered and crying. And like, it wasn't very fun. You know what I mean? And so with starting the team, like that was, that wasn't the initial goal, you know what I mean? Because we were so new and fresh, but that was seven years ago. Um, and then we we started, like, Tyson really realized that there is not a lot of support for creating high-performance downhill athletes in, in the U.S. And so we uh, these kids from all over kind of saw that we were forming like this, this cool team and they started showing a lot of interest. And, uh, we started having, um, kids that were like, okay, I want to fully, I, I just want a mountain bike. You know what I mean? And so we'd have all these like full on mountain bike groms, like just little kids that were super good, um, kind of all united. And so slowly, the team just kind of built into this, uh, this really cool downhill presence, you know, that was not only at the Utah series races anymore, but going to these pro GRTs. And, um, we actually, when the kids were like, like four years ago or so, we'd lived in Whistler for two and a half months and competing crankworks. And, uh, yeah, our whole mission is to just provide support for these kids to become, the greatest athletes they can, the greatest people they can. And so um, when the team got, got pretty big, like our initial idea, like we didn't want the team to be, to be super big. You know, we want to provide like the most in-person in-depth support we can for, for each of these athletes. And uh, for me, like I want to be this bigger brother to all these, to the next generation. You know what I mean? Like I'm only five ish years um, ahead of them or six years, you know what I mean? And so I can really provide this super accurate stuff on like, Hey, this is what, this is what I'm doing. This is what all the top athletes are doing. I'm learning this here. Let's look at this line here, you know? So it's, it's been really, really cool. And now, um, our ski team became a nonprofit organization like four years ago and we got the bike team tied in under that too. So kids can apply for scholarships they can help get their travel paid for get their bike stuff paid for because it's stupid expensive um and so we wanted to provide like this platform for kids to really learn how to find find themselves in biking and have the opportunities if they you know if they want it and they have to uh they have to earn it we have uh so there's like four tiers to the team the outlaw tribe which is like select um, I think 13 riders right now that are our top athletes. And then we have the tribe development and then we have the RTS 
and then the mega shredders and the mega shredders are like the super sick like eight-year-olds that are just like going crazy um and to be on the tribe you have to read a couple books like ego is the enemy and uh the obstacle is the way you have to write a little thing about it and then there were some physical requirements we um required journaling and all that stuff and then they would you know talk to tyson and they'd have to really commit themselves before um they could get on the 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 tribe and then what tyson and i did on the backside was we um we partnered up with Commonsolve and a bunch of other sponsors and when these kids made it to that point it was like okay welcome to the tribe here's a new bike full sponsors like it's a real it's a real program you know what i mean and so it's been really really cool to watch these kids start at say like the rts or the mega shredders you know what i mean and just work their butts off and ride with us all the time and now they're now they're kicking butt you know what i mean like winning nationals getting top five in dual slalom and in downhill and uh it's pretty amazing and now now we're uh we're at the point where we have let's see we had one kid Caden, who just raced the junior world cup in uh he did the andorra event and i think lenzerheide um so it's been so sick you know like these kids are really um chasing their dreams and they have a backing you know what i mean and so there was just no other there's no other team really that we can find in the nation and in the world that's kind of providing what we're providing because we're we're downhill pretty much specific team we have some kids that are competing in slope style that are crushing it um a couple kids i'll race a couple enduros every year you know what i mean but mostly it's just a downhill specific team and it's it's been really really cool to uh help these kids find a lot of success so that's what we're doing for the downhill scene in the usa i would say that's the reason why we're so far behind you know france they're the country and this like each province or whatever in france they really they they really care about like supporting their communities and sports and stuff you know so they have ski academies if you want to be a skier you go to a ski school ski academy they have mountain bike academies um the state will pay for their bikes will pay for all this stuff so they have crazy amounts of support from a really really young age and they do you know if they're in the mountain bike academy they're riding cross country riding downhill doing all that stuff like all the time so it's pretty crazy you know what i mean because we have nothing nothing like that yeah i think that thing about support makes a ton of sense it's you just need to get kids on real downhill bikes get them to races just start building that experience and from an earlier age because kind of in the u.s it's just so much been just a matter of having to kind of pave your own way and start getting results without much support at all until you've somehow found a way to make it onto the global stage and then you can start getting picked up. Whereas a lot of other places are doing a much better job of just building talent and getting kids started from an earlier age and getting them more experienced from an earlier age, which has to help a whole lot. So yeah, I think you're right on the money there. And it's super cool to see you guys 
making a push to change that. Um, I guess to sort of loop back then to you more personally, um, just be curious to hear kind of what your goals are for the rest of the 2022 season, maybe farther down the road, if you've, you're looking that far ahead, kind of what's coming up for you. Absolutely. So this year was crazy. Um, 2022 was awesome. I unfortunately throughout my ski season, uh, I dislocated my shoulder right at the beginning and, uh, kind of dislocated it three other times throughout the ski season, you know? So that was not fun, pretty brutal. Um, but it also like, I couldn't really, I couldn't chuck new tricks and chuck new things that I really wanted to. So it made me just stomp every, like every run, you know, I could only do what I absolutely knew. And, uh, it was a little blessing in disguise. Like this year I qualified for the free ride world tour, um, for skiing and I'm so stoked. Like it's, it's going to be ridiculous. So I'm preparing for, for the free ride world tour for next year. Um, it's actually, yeah, it's coming up starting in mid January will be the first event. So that's going to be super rad. Um, I was a little like this spring and stuff. I, uh, I broke my foot like right after ski season. <laughs> so that was super lame because we had quite the, quite the busy competition year um, for, for big mountain skiing. Like it was, it was crazy. All the free ride world tour qualifiers were just back to back to back. So I couldn't even go to Windrock this year. Um, so it was a little stressful, you know, just like coming into the bike season super late and then breaking my foot being like oh my gosh so six weeks after that i was on the bike um went to world cup qualifier in new jersey qualified super well with my seating time and then first run in first run on the morning of finals i crashed it was raining like crazy and just i was even riding slower than usual and just had a super super weird fall and jacked up my wrist super bad so kind of been partially injured throughout this whole bike year which has mentally been a little hard you know I'd say like physically right now I feel 100% but I'm still um, my brain still feels a bit like injured you know what I mean it just feels a little weird Uh, I dislocated my shoulder again like last month and then um, I've just been dealing with that wrist thing from from New Jersey for a long time so kind of an interesting um, bike year, but I'm really trying to not, not let it get to me. You know what I mean? Like results, results come when they come. And if you're focused on results, you're, you're not going to get good results. You know what I mean? And so I think I've been really in this, uh, this nice mental journey. that has been super tricky this year. Um, so I'm moving past that. Um, I'm super excited on uh, in three days no in two days i'm going to canada for crankworks just going to be super sick race the u.s i mean the canadian open there and uh spend two weeks there and then we drive all the way back it sucks we can't fly but we have so many so many groms and all these sweet bikes and everything so we're going to drive we get back here and then 12 hours later we are going to europe and uh, I'll go to Europe for two weeks, go and watch world champs. So show, um, I think we have like eight kids going to, coming to Europe with me, which will be super sick. And I'll kind of 
um, show them around world champs. They can watch their first world cup, like live be there. Um, and yeah, I'll try to, we're pretty much just going out there to ride. Um, I'm trying to get into one of the events down there right now. Um, so hopefully I'll find that out in the next little bit. So I'll probably go and race one of the IXS cups down there and, uh, we'll watch world champs and we'll get back, get back from Europe and go pretty much straight to the U S open in Vermont race that. And then it'll be free ride season. <laughs> so after that, we'll, uh, we'll do like four or five weekends with, with all the kiddos, um, down in Virgin and free ride a bunch. And I'll be, uh, prepping for, for my ski season. I'm trying to, trying to maybe figure out a, uh, a quick, sniper trip to New Zealand um late September to catch kind of their their little winter for a little to get a little time on the snow before um we start our winter but we'll see and then yeah straight into a new ski season for me mostly being in Europe so it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy yeah that's a lot going on yeah dude it's a lot (laughs) (laughs) especially awesome that you've qualified for the free on world tour and got that lined up so that's going to be super cool very excited to watch that it's coming later. thanks bro um, um oh yeah overall goals so yeah that's what i was gonna say that's kinda, <laughs> what do we got there that's kind of 2022 um my overall goal is i want to be racing world cup and competing in the free ride world tour at the same time and eventually i want to podium in both free ride world tour overall and it's mountain biking is so ridiculously competitive and i'm gonna have to start delegating even more time towards mountain biking if i want to achieve my end goal with with mountain biking but i really i really want a um a top 10 in the same year that i podium in the free ride world tour so we'll start there um that's kind of that's kind of really yeah that's that's what i want to do and then eventually start a nonprofit organization called higher level humans and just continue to push out um tons of opportunity for these kids that want to pursue more than one thing and try to run these camps say it's a surf camp and invite like three of the best surfers and all these kids out to learn from the best you know and then but yeah i want to start I want to start that foundation after all of this um, to just help show and push people to, to do more. They're so capable. So yeah, that's a pretty good list. And the combined free ride world tour and world cup downhill results plan would be quite an accomplishment if you can pull that off. So here's to, here's to that and uh, wishing you all the best with it. So this has been super fun. Really appreciate you coming on and good luck with everything. Uh, thank you, boss. You're the man. And uh, yeah, for everyone out there listening, don't stop. Don't just choose one. You might have to, and that's okay, but you also don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Dylan. This has been a blast. Yeah, brother. All right. Have a good one. All right. 
that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And as always, if you're enjoying these episodes, we'd really appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. I also want to say thanks to Dylan for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>